One of these men is one of Melbourne's brightest newsbreakers. Truly was the last chance for Melbournians to break out a dance move. The other is a five-star jerk. I just don't want to get embroiled in his Twitter spat. Across Melbourne, this is Breakfast with Seb Costello and Lawrence Mooney on Triple M. Triple M rocks Melbourne. Morning, Moon Man. Good morning to you, Seb. It feels like after a weekend of pure tempest, uh, still has been returned to Melbourne. Uh, What a blowy weekend it was. The wind, I've got to say, was driving me crazy. Absolutely bat crap crazy. Yeah, well, it's been phenomenal around the state. A one in five year wind event. We had a woman who sadly passed away when a tree fell at her home out at Millgrove. Mm. Gusts of over 120 kilometres per hour and over 3,000 SES call outs. Yes, and uh, even a, a bit of a flapping roof out uh, in the leafy suburbs close to home. Yeah, mum and dad. Did mm-hmm. My little sister Phoebe, who uh, is minding mum and dad's house while they're overseas on a bit of a trip together, called me really distressed yesterday and she said, what do I do? The winds are picking up the roof and the roof looks like it's about to blow away. So as you say, yeah, they live in the eastern suburbs. So a couple of neighbours came around to calm her down and then they called the SES and uh, hats off to the SES. They came around pretty quickly and uh, What do they do? They kind of sandbag it or just nail it back down? What are they? You know what? I I didn't ask because I couldn't actually make it round to uh, sort of comfort her. But uh, yeah, she was pretty impressed with the way they responded. I was uh, dealing with my own wind event because we've got a cupboard in the carport and uh, it was just picked up and thrown and everything inside it just came pouring out. I thought I could put everything (laughs) in the bin and that cupboard, you know, like (laughs) the half, a paint can, um, a a nappy sand container full of golf balls and teas, an old transformer from a railway set, (laughs) uh, a box full of tapes too. VHS. On top. No, no. Cassette tapes. Oh, cassette. Yeah. What, what was in the collection? Well, what a collection it is. Bob yeah. Marley and the Whalers was nice. just sitting out there on the concrete next to <laughs> Billy Joel. It was a real grab bag of The Stranger? Of classics. Well, what album are we talking? Piano Man? Um, no, uh, double the Double Best Of. Oh, wow. Double yeah. Best Of, yeah. What, what songs? Just classic. That's um. I my first car had a cassette deck only, and I worked out that at the salvos they were reselling cassettes for fifty cents a pop. Mm. So I just loaded up when I was driving little Sylvia, the uh, late eighties Mazda around Melbourne. <laughs> I like how you've named. Have you named all your cars, Seb, along the way? No, Sylvia. That, <laughs> just was, the first one. It was just Sylvia because she was special to me. She was my first. Was she silver? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah, it wasn't I that creative. But what did the wind do at your place? One triple three five three. give us a call. We're seeing just phenomenal photos around mm. town. If, uh, you know, you had a tree come down, there was some damage, send us a pic. At MMM Hot Breakfast is the Twitter handle. Mm. And what's Phoebe's call? It, no picture. Didn't happen. Oh, my little sister, yeah, she has this expression, picks or it didn't happen. Picks or it didn't happen. So you might ring her and say, oh my goodness, I met Lawrence Mooney, and she'll write back, picks or it didn't, didn't happen. happen. Moo Man, you're looking remarkably fresh. Has Lulu, your beautiful wife, gone away or something? Shh. <laughs> Why would my wife being here mean that I would look haggard and tired? <laughs> yes, Lulu has gone away. She uh, she left last Tuesday mm. with our so child. So you're home alone. Um, and hopefully she is coming back. I am home alone. Mm. And uh, I've got to say, it's not great. I'm not enjoying myself as much as you might think. Really? Uh, I feel at a loose end. Oh, well, I, I think don't know what to, to do. I think we've got to extrapolate this a bit later in the mm. show. But I read this morning, uh, as we move to another story, that mining magnate Gina Reinhardt. And this is a great story. Gina... This is a great story for all Australians. <laughs> Gina Reinhardt is set to become Australia's beef queen. <laughs> oh, was that your idea? 
Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> um, listen, if you're going to be a beef queen, you need to be able to have your own sound effect, okay? What is being done to that cow? So let's have a look at what Gina's about to swoop down on. Okay, she- so she's put in a bid for the Kidman & Co. portfolio of cattle and land. We don't know whether that's any relation to the famous Kidmans mm. of Palm Beach. Yep. Uh, $365 million bid for the historic company, and... Uh, She's going to take control of it. It's and that means of... she's going to be the beef queen. She is. <laughs> Leave the cow alone. I, I like how in Australia. <laughs> I'm talking about the bovine there, by the right, way. Right. Uh, beef um, beef can be a verb in Australia. It can be a. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you, you can uh, beef as in fart. That's, that's a to beef. Have you ever, ever heard that expression? I have. Yeah. I have. Or you can have a beef. It can be a noun. It's mm. like a complaint. Mm. Um, you can be beefy. It so far, Gene is looking like a really appropriate purchaser of this portfolio. <laughs> a large farting person with lots of complaints. What are you saying? Are you saying that she is Australia's true beef queen? Well, look, oh, I just, oh, can't leave the cow alone. I, uh, again, talking about the sound effect, look, just have a listen to the size of what she's purchasing, though. Mm. 185,000 cattle. And pastoral leases covering 101,000 square kilometres in three states in the Northern Territory. The land holdings alone make up 1.3% of Australia's total land. She's buying space that is one and a half times the size of Tasmania. Wow. And expands what? Three states? Yep. Three states in the Territory. She's, she's buying a slice of land that's bigger than Tasmania. That's awesome. <laughs> now, um, you're invited to the Reinhardt property. Uh, the beef queen. We're has doing hypotheticals. Ex- yep. <laughs> what cut? What cut of the the beast are you porter going house. for? Porterhouse. Porterhouse. Oh, yep. Nice wow. thick porterhouse. Yeah. I reckon she wouldn't mind a steak too, Jana. Mm. Yep. I don't see her as a sirloin kind of a girl. <laughs> That's too thin a thin a cut. Do you reckon she's got a big rump? Well, rump really rumps over. It's no good rump, is it? <laughs> we get a lot of it, though. That's yeah, what we do. I like about it. You do get a lot of rump. I'd go the big T-bone. Yeah, you'd T-bone. I would T-bone <laughs> the beef queen. <laughs> <laughs> Around a month to go now until the US presidential election with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton to square off in the second presidential debate later today. The whole campaign was shook up over the weekend with the airing of some comments caught on camera that Donald Trump made back in 2005. He was shooting a feature on an entertainment show to promote his show, The Apprentice, and a bit of cross-promotion where they were taking him to the set of one of the soapies that the same network did. Days of Our Lives. Days of Our Lives. Mm. And uh, little did he know that the cameras were rolling while they were on that bus, and here's what he was caught up saying. I moved on her, actually. You know, she was down in Palm Beach. I moved on her, and I failed. I'll admit it. Whoa. I did try and <laughs> She was married. <laughs> sure She's your girl's hottie in the purple. Whoa. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. Whoa. Yes, Nadal has scored. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my man. i got to use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the <laughs> I can do anything. And for a lot of people, that is the smoking gun of the man's psyche that he uh, thinks that you can just get, grab a woman on the um, on the genitals uh, by way of you know showing them that you're interested. 
It's been called everything from locker room banter to an admission of sexual assault by Donald Trump. For more, we go to the United States and the US correspondent for the Nine Network is Laura Turner. Thanks for talking to us, Laura. How is this playing out over there in the US? I know Laura has dropped out, so we'll just try and get her back on the line. So to win the presidential election, you need 270 uh, college, um, electoral college votes. Yep. Uh, the last poll before the last election, um, they were very close indeed. They were about 260 each. This has drifted a little bit uh, since the last debate, not the last election, sorry. And uh, now, after this revelation and the debate coming up today, they expect that it is going to blow out massively and that it'll be a foregone conclusion by November 8th. For more information, we go to Laura Turner, the correspondent for the Nine Network over there in the US. Morning, Laura. Good morning, Seb. Now, Donald Trump has had people supporting him all along from his own party, the Republicans. You know, Rudy Giuliani, the mayor of New York during September 11, is a great supporter. He's had the governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. Are we now getting a situation where, because of these comments, senior Republican people are jumping off Donald Trump? Absolutely, Seb, and that is what we've seen in the past uh, 48 hours, especially yesterday as well, just reams of Republicans dumping their support for Donald Trump. Uh, Rudy Giuliani and uh, Chris Christie are kind of two of the last men standing, really. They're in Donald Trump's inner circle, supporting him still. Rudy Giuliani has been left this morning to be the spokesperson for the entire Trump campaign on all of the Sunday shows here today. All of uh, his other staff actually uh, just didn't appear. It's all been left up to Rudy Giuliani. He really, it's a campaigning crisis right now. And as you said, there has been reams of them dump him over the weekend. John McCain being one, uh, obviously a former presidential candidate from a few years ago. He's never loved Donald Trump, but did support him conditionally. He said yesterday he just cannot do it anymore. So, you know, he's one of the more high profile, but the list of them really goes on and on. Laura, this um, audio that uh, emerged from 2005 between Donald Trump and uh, a very enthusiastic Billy Bush, do we know why it's outed just now? Has somebody waited or has somebody just discovered this stuff? Yeah, so there's a lot of controversy over that right now, and the Trump campaign is trying to make something out of that. If NBC had this uh, recording all along, why didn't they release it You know, last year or even earlier this year? Mm. Why is it this October surprise? Uh, and there is a lot of talk about that. I mean, originally, as we know, it was actually broken, this story, by the Washington Post, not by NBC. Their story is is that they were waiting to break it, that they were waiting for um, legal advice from their lawyers. They, they'd been working on it for a few days uh, and they'd only just gone looking back into their archives uh, and uh, had worked on it for about four or five days and then they got scooped by the Washington Post who got a tip-off and uh, put it all together in about five hours and uh, well, that's when we saw it explode all over the world. So explode, we yet right. to hear what the real story yeah, we, we, we're yet to hear uh, what the real story is and, you know, who, why and why this has come out now. I mean, it's NBC's own talent, Billy Bush, who is now copying some of the criticism as well. So there's certainly questions being asked of, of them as to why this mm. wasn't put out earlier. But their story is, you know, they've only just come across their own archives. They were ready to break it and they got scooped on their own story. And Laura, before we let you go, there's been all sorts of you know, gaffes and, uh, and awkward moments for the Trump campaign. Some of his policies are pretty uh, unpalatable for people like the wall between America and Mexico. 
What is this doing to his campaign? Is this the final straw for his campaign? Yeah, look, Seb, we were watching uh, CNN and Fox News this morning. And as you would know, Fox News are very right-leaning. They're, you know, they've got a lot of Trump supporters on their panels. Even their, uh, you know, their spokespeople today were saying, this is it for Donald Trump. There has been so many political analysts over this weekend who have said he just cannot come back from this. There have been others that said, you know, he might be able to wiggle his way out of it. And people like Rudy Giuliani saying... Sorry, you know, to the Clinton campaign, you're not going to get what you want. He uh, he will rebuild. He said he's sorry. He'll move on. And also uh, Trump and Giuliani this morning saying, you know, words are different from actions. And it was Bill Clinton who allegedly had very, very uh, serious actions as allegations of rape against him and that sort of thing. Donald Trump's been madly tweeting those over the past 24 hours. So they're trying to wiggle out of it. But certainly the majority of uh, the commentary here is that Donald Trump is cooked. Keep killing it over there. Laura Turner from the Nine Network. She is the uh, the second US presidential debate is live on Nine from midday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Very good. There you go. Looks like it's uh, all over for mm. campaign Trump. And uh, that also casts the, the debate in a very interesting light too. Because yeah, does he go it. rogue this time or does he try and pull something back? So mm. I think that the type of man he is, the pink-skinned, red-headed man that he is, he will go bananas today. Oh, I like it. And Moo Man, you are a rider. I wanted to ask you about the Bicycle Network's plan to hit bad drivers with a black box GPS that would override the steering and braking of their car any time they would veer into a bike lane. Uh, one word, conflicted. Why? Because uh, you know that I lost my licence uh, for contravening this state's laws. To it, I went over 45 kilometres an hour. Uh, above the speed limit, and uh, so my license was taken off me and fair digs there. Uh, and I got on board the bike, and I love riding my bike. The trouble is, I get my license back on Monday, folks. This coming Monday, so read it large. Breaking yeah. news: See you later, bicycle. The moon You're man. on the scrap heap. Oh. I'm back in. Uh, insert. Uh, make a vehicle here who is prepared to give me a free car. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to go with when you do get back behind the wheel? Oh, Something definitely. powerful? Yeah, yeah. Hyundai Gets. <laughs> Yaris. <laughs> I'm going to smoke the Yaris up. <laughs> Moonman, sightings of clowns around Victoria are on the up. And uh, this is a very interesting development. I, I love the idea of... Um, people clowning up and uh, standing beside roads with, you know, machetes or chainsaws and just, just to spook people. It's pretty scary. Uh, it started in the United States. I thought it might have been imported yeah. from the States. So there were all these sightings in the US of people dressed up as clowns coming out of the darkness onto highways and scaring motorists. Nothing to do with Halloween. It was just something that started all of a sudden. Yeah. And it's now come to Victoria with Victoria Police having to put a, a post on their Facebook page <laughs> <laughs> saying that, People should reconsider their behaviour if they are dressing up as clowns for the purpose of spooking others. Um, is it? Are they? Have they deemed it an offence, or are they just putting out a polite warning? <laughs> hey, kids, come on! The be clown. Careful. It says the clown purge appears to be a copycat of incidents being seen in the US. Mm. Dressing as a clown is not an illegal decision per yep. se. So there it is, kids. Uh, if you're thinking about getting out the white face makeup and the stripy pants and uh, standing in a you know darkened subway with a hammer. 
Um, well, that's the thing. It's not an offence. You know, this isn't just the scary. I mean, this isn't just dressing up as a normal clown. They are going to extra lengths to scare people. So, mm. so they're looking spooky and they're, they're out at night. And they're holding weapons. In some cases, mm. they're standing on the side of the road with that a chainsaw. Yeah, that probably might yeah. be, unless you've got unless a Jim's you, mowing truck or something right, to unless legitimize <laughs> the activity. Working for the SES. One triple three five three. Have you had a clown sighting? Mm. I want to know what it's all about. One triple three five three, or hit us up on Twitter at MMM Hot Breakfast. But it's uh, there's something formal about it too, isn't there? There's a, a Melbourne Clown Association, and I don't know whether this has just sprung out of the fad that is uh, clown sightings, or whether they're they're long held there. They desire to dress up as clowns. Well, this was a group that popped up on Facebook in the sort of aftermath of the sightings, and they are warning Melburnians to be ready for a clown invasion. <laughs> they start with, we will be starting in Broadmeadows and we'll walk out, work our way through Flemington, Richmond, Port Melbourne, Hawthorne, Ringwood, expect to see us. And how's this? They even jumped on yesterday's uh, natural disaster. Hello, Ringwood. No power. Now expect to see us. Right. Yeah. Look out, Ringwood. Um, I don't want to get some kind of um, Warriors-type uh, gang-on-gang action here, but the Clown Association and Apex Gang, yeah, head-to-head. Let's, uh, let's get them at Festival Hall, World Championship Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm told that after this, we are going to speak to a clown who is upset with the way his industry is being slurred by these people. So an actual clown that makes his living from being a clown? Not just any clown. Yeah. Rufus the Clown. Oh, listen. <laughs> listen, Bozo. Remember when a teacher used to call you Bozo? Yep, yep. <laughs> listen, Bozo, sit down and shut up. Why can't we just go back to a more innocent time in clowning? The Look. days of zig and zag. <laughs> Hang on. Maybe not the best comparison. <laughs> Creepy clown sightings began the United States. We've now got reports that there are people dressing up as scary clowns around Melbourne and the Victoria Police have even gone as far as to issue a warning for people to reconsider their behaviour if they're going to go out and scare people on purpose. And it's not only the police who are angry about it, it's clowns who make a living from being clowns, real clowns. They're being forgotten here because mm. these people are giving their industry a bad name. And somebody on the line is a professional clown. He goes by the name Rufus the Magical Clown. Good morning, Rufus. Good morning, guys. How are we? Mate, does this upset you that people are out there to try and turn the idea of a clown into something scary? Absolutely. I mean, the reason I do it is to see the children's eyes light up and the imaginations run wild when I'm doing my acts and things like that. So to try and paint these pictures is just taking away an illusion and a fantasy of children that, mm. you know, we all had as kids growing up and it's um, bitterly disappointing. Is it something mm. that uh, you've had to battle against, Rufus? Because a lot of people are phobic when it comes to clowns and see them as scary. Is, have you had to kind of, you know, reinvent the clown, as it were? Pretty much. Um, there's even some adults at some of the parties I do that have a bit of a phobia with clowns. Mm. Um, I'm not really sure what it is, but I promote myself as non-scary on my website. So I have half the clown face half a human face, so the children sort of know that, yeah, maybe I might not be real, but, hey, the fantasy's still there and it works and, and the look that they give me is just fantastic. One triple three five three. give us a call if you're listening and you have seen a scary clown around Melbourne. Some of your uh, influences, Bozo, Ollie Popoff, who, who's your favourite clown of all time, Rufus? <laughs> oh, it would have to be Krusty, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, being a Simpsons oh. fan. <laughs> now, Krusty is a little bit scary, though, isn't he? 
Oh, he, he does come across a little bit scary, but um, I think most people uh, that are watching that show know how it goes and they're into it for the for those ways. And um, yeah, I think he does all right for us. Now, I also see here uh, in your your publicity that uh, Crazy Daisy uh, is is another clown. There, are you related to Crazy at all? <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm not related to Crazy Daisy. I okay. categorically confirm that. Hey, okay. Rufus, where did the whole concept of the clown come from? Like, why do we think of clowns as somebody who has a red nose, white face paint, and sort of colourful outfits? Yeah, I think um, it's more the makeup and the and the colours of that the sometimes can intimidate younger children. And um, I try to wear um, like a jacket that's colourful and pants that are colourful, as opposed to big flary type outfits and again by having the makeup half and half um, it takes that perception away but a lot of the adults that I speak to um, have had a phobia from a child all the way through so it can be a bit intimidating when you're dealing with young children because they are so colourful and all the makeup so I, ever, I do get it in a way it's, yeah. the, it's a bunch of clowns coming out of the darkness in the little Fiat 500 it exploding <laughs> and then them throwing a bucket of confetti over you it's, the, it's a pretty scary <laughs> a drive-by confetti attack can happen to anyone at any time do you ever, uh, Rufus, just get the temptation, though, to maybe mess with people a little bit and go find a chainsaw and walk out of the East Link or something? Well, without damaging the brand with what's going on, um, there have been occasions where um, certain mums have said, you know, that lady in the corner, she's petrified of clowns, so can you run up and give her a big kiss and a cuddle right. and, and um, those type of things? So I have had a little bit of fun with it, yeah. But, um, yeah, but generally speaking, it is a concern because for us and everybody in the industry, um, our busiest periods, November, December, and we're starting to take the bookings now for those periods. So, so they're sliding clowning during its peak period? Pretty much. So they're, they're, they've done it very well, this haven't they, from a timing wrong. perspective? Oh, yeah, it's not I, hot. Well, maybe maybe it's somebody who's got something against clown. Maybe it's a bunch of ringmasters or strong men who are trying to bring down the brand. Uh, on uh, people being scared of clowns, on the other side of things, do you sometimes walk into a children's party and see clear arousal in the eyes of some adults? Ooh. Uh, um, um, yes, you do. Some adults yes, are happy do. to see me. Yes. Yeah. Are, are there some men <laughs> or women uh, that are just just want to get a little bit more familiar with a clown than you would like? Well, let, let's uh, let's just say, as an ugly fellow, sometimes the makeup has come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> Once you go clown, Rufus <laughs> the magical clown. Thank you for joining us and setting the record straight. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. And things are heating up in the AFL environment with the official opening of the trade period starting this week. And Damien Barrett is in studio to talk about it with us. Morning, Damo. Hey, Seb. Uh, Lawrence, sounding very nice, boys. Thank you, Thank mate. You. Biggest name probably that's been discussed at this stage as a potential trade is Brett Deledio of the Tigers. What's happening there? It's an intriguing one, Seb. One that uh, has him contracted for, for next year, but one that just won't go away by being talked about. We'll get mm. a whole lot of clarity on, on matters uh, like the Deledio situation today when the clubs gather down there at Etihad Stadium. They'll all meet with each other. And look, as, as has happened to this point, there has been questions uh, asked about Delidio despite that contract. And even more intriguingly, there'll, there'll be questions asked again about Jack Revolt, who's got a longer-term deal and gets angry every time we raise this publicly that he may... Uh, have the question asked about his future at Richmond as well. And that will be asked again today. Elian Pickering, his manager last week, uh, while d- angrily denying that uh, he may not be at Richmond, 
did concede that several clubs had approached him about Jack Revolt, about what he's doing next year. Is there this kind of thing uh, surrounding Richmond at the moment because there's an inherent instability at the club? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you use the term, don't we, in footy, uh, the loser's fatigue that Pierce Hanley's got at the uh, Brisbane Lions. And and I think Brett probably falls into that category, Lawrence, for what it's worth. He... Again, they've had three good years in, in Richmond's context before this year. This year was a, a bomb. And the future just doesn't look as bright as it did this time last year for and them. And those so, three good years ended up in uh, unfortunate Bad finishes losses, anyway. Yeah. I mean, again, they're, they're good years in Richmond's context. But like in the Hawthorne's context, losing three elimination finals in a row, they wouldn't tolerate that. They didn't seem to be that far away, Damo, as you say, coming into season 2016. But if you are looking at list changes, which includes giving away two of your top 10 players in Rewalt and Delidio, and then you're bringing in young players like yeah. um, Prestia from the Gold Coast, that almost smells of a rebuild. Well, it does. But you've also then got the extraordinary decision. I say extraordinary given he played three matches this year and got badly beaten in two of them. The re-signing of Ivan Maric last week. I mean, that, that to me suggests that they are still going to top up. They don't want to lose Revol. Don't, don't, when I re- uh, refer to Revol, don't, don't think for a minute they're driving this. But, but the question keeps getting asked by the clubs. And he's not a, a much-loved player. I say that because... People around the club do like him, but when you've been at the club for 10 years, you're 28 years of age and you've played 200 games and your teammates don't want you in the leadership group, it, it just says a little bit about where you're at as a, as a player. And while he gets all, all gruff and, and angry about not being in the leadership group and, and acting as though he is a leader, that statement in itself that the teammates made uh, at the start of this year or late last year but to not have him in the group, yeah, to me, says telling. something. Yeah, absolutely. I see the future of Tom Mitchell from the Sydney Swans being put on the, one of the papers today that he wants to go to Hawthorne. I reckon I remember you reporting that demo back in May. Oh, look, certainly that the approach was was made, and it was a, it made in such a strong fashion that it was compelling to him to explore. He's explored it. He's uh, dotted every I and crossed every T now just by waiting to uh, announce it. He's got through the best and fairest last week. Trade officially starts today. We fully expect there to be a uh, an announcement of some form where he will nominate Hawthorne as his club of choice, as Vickery has done, as O'Meara has done. You uh, said at the beginning, let's talk about the big names, uh, and there was Delidio there, but what about Travis Cloak, the biggest name in football up for grabs? <laughs> is it a fate to complain now? Yeah, it is. As much as uh, the Bulldogs winning the Premiership had some people uh, suggesting they should reconsider that commitment to Travis. <laughs> yeah, what? They're, they're a footy club under under Luke Berridge that, that will... I I'd imagine would never ever go back on an undertaking, and, and as such, he will be at the Bulldogs. That was the reason he went public with his decision to get out of Collingwood. That will become formal in coming days. If he has a renaissance, that will be Luke Beveridge's greatest moment. That's when people will go, "Well, this guy's close to Christ, isn't he?" <laughs> Have you heard <laughs> He's healing the sick? Yeah, well, true. <laughs> Have you heard though that there are some discussions that Cloak could take up a defensive role at the Western Bulldogs? I haven't heard that. Yeah. No, look, the, the... I think the defensive role is like, "Hey, stop saying that." <laughs> <laughs> the, the criticism of him, if there has been a slow on him, and it has been for a little, a little time, is the one dimensionality of him. And I reckon Luke Beveridge has a plan for him to uh, to help those uh, younger forwards. Although, uh, as we saw only two Saturdays ago, they may not need as much help as uh, we thought even two, three months ago. Just another name, guys. Again, I put a lot of players under the category of watch this space when you come up to this period each year. And 
Bryce Gibbs is one also. Again, long-term contract with Carlton. It was it was mooted out of nowhere last week that uh, the Adelaide Crows were keen on him and, again, angrily shot down. But there's just something to that potential link that, uh, to me, has some legs. I'm not, I'm not sitting here to say, yeah, yep. yeah, but, again, the links aren't massive to him, but uh, to, for him. But, again, I, I still think he'll be at Carlton next year. But we've got uh, basically – well, what have we got now? 14 days of, of serious discussions to, to be had between uh, footy clubs and, and uh, managers and, uh, and people around those people. And he will be one, again, discussed pretty heavily today. Seb and I are both sitting on the edge of our seats because we're Essendon supporters. Do we win or lose in this trade period? Because we're going to lose Hibbert. What do we get? Yeah, you'll get a second round pick in return for him. There's a, a fair uh, concession there. That's what it will be. You'll win big time because you've got the number one number draft pick, one, which that's you won't. Right. I mean, Adrian Dodoro keeps saying he's open to offers yeah. to, to, for clubs to come and get that. But I'd imagine, given the, the bands they had, Lawrence, a couple of years ago from the, the saga, as we now know it to be. And the inability to get players in in, in, in that time frame, he, he will love having a number one pick. And you've also got the number one pick in the preseason draft, which will cause some carnage. That they, they will try and use that on a an uncontracted player to just slide through there without giving something up. But no, Essen will be the big winners out of this because they've, for the first time in ages, got a uh, got some clout in this space. If you want to oh, know the story behind the story, listen to this man, Damien Barrett. Thanks for dropping by, Damo. Cheers, boys. You're really home alone at the moment. Your family's taken off on you. Yes, that's right. Uh, Lou has uh, headed off overseas to do some business in London mm. for her company, the Health Consultants. The mind and she's boggles. taken Maggie with her. I think... I think they're coming back. I think we're going to have to get some of your Home Alone tales a bit later on in the show. But the dog is giving me some very strange looks. <laughs> Little bit of, what have you done with them? Where are they? <sighs> Little bit of Baden clay work from the dog. <laughs> Don't know about that. V8 Supercars, Moon Man, let's talk about Bathurst yesterday. It was an enjoyable afternoon, and a man who was all over it is our very own Howie. Morning, Mark Howard. Hello, Seb. Hello, Lawrence. A bit disturbed by those tales of your dog, but anyway. <laughs> now, what a dramatic day at Bathurst, particularly as the race came oh, to a close. What a, a finish. A massive crash that ruled out some of the favourites. What happened and whose fault was it? Yeah, it's, it's extraordinary. You sort of get through Bathurst and you think, Hugh, it's sort of been reasonably quiet and we haven't had any safety cars. And then they're, they're battling for the lead. And it's Jamie Winkup, uh, who's won this race four times, Scotty McLaughlin, who's never won it before, and Garth Panda, who's won it three times. There's a couple of points to make, Seb. I guess Jamie has consistently been the best driver in this field for five or six, seven years, which is why he's got six titles, which is more than anyone else has ever got. And when people get stuck into Jamie Winkup at this situation, he did the wrong thing, etc., etc. I don't agree with that. He made a racing move. He tried to pull off a move to win Bathurst. That's his job. That's what he's paid to do. However, when you look at the incident itself, any time you make a move in motor racing, you have to be seen to be in control of your vehicle. And as Jamie came down into the suite there, I reckon he lost control of the vehicle a little bit, which pushed Scotty wide. Um, and then Scotty came back on trying to retain his line and he got uh, whacked into Garth. So I think the right decision was made to penalise him 15 seconds after the race is finished. Um, I don't think you can win Bathurst pulling off a move like that when your car's not quite in control. So I think they made the right decision, although now they've gone and appealed at Red Bull Racing. So, And that's something I don't agree with. I think you sort of sit with the arbiter. They decide what happens during the race. They've given him a 15-second penalty. To now drag it out and go and appeal it, mm. uh, I think it takes a little bit of the gloss off what happened yesterday. And so uh, the winners yesterday, of course, were not only Will Davison and Jonathan Webb, but Holden. Was there a bit of emotion because uh, the last Ford rolled off the line during the week? 
Yeah, no doubt there was. And a group of Ford uh, employers came up, Lawrence. I think it was pretty poor timing, to be honest. Um, I think if they had their time again, they'd probably try and avoid having the, the shutdown of the Ford factories and from where I'm down Geelong Way, where a lot of people have lost their jobs. Mm. I don't think they timed it that well to, to fit in with what happened at Bathurst. But, you know, I guess it's modern manufacturing, etc. That's far beyond my understanding to the no's and the why's and the who house. But, yeah, I think it was pretty unfortunate timing. Good story, though, Will Davison, who reportedly uh, walked away from a big money offer to sign with the team with which he's now won Bathurst. Yeah, you're spot on, Seb. He won it back in 2009, and he was, this is a man that tested a Formula One car uh, years ago. So a very, very effective operator. Won Bathurst in 2009. The last few years, he went with Betty Clemenko in that Mercedes, and he just had a tough time. It wasn't getting anywhere, that Airbus Motorsport car. So he swapped teams, he's come out, and, and he's won Bathurst, and... Uh, one of the best parts of the whole story for mine, his, uh, his partner, Rihanna Crinton, she is the pit lane reporter for V8 Supercars. Yep. So to see her in the pit lane yesterday, and she's, such a, she's so good at her job, she's so professional. Whenever she interviews Will, as an outsider, you would know they have no relationship at all. She's very, very professional. But to see it actually get to her yesterday over those closing laps, and she sort of took off her journalist hat and put on her partner's hat, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And he's a ripping bloke, Will. He deserves all the success he can get. Yeah, he uh, he couldn't believe his luck, and he uh, he was a very grateful winner. It was good to see. Howie, check out the Howie games too, by the way, if you uh, get a chance on iTunes. Larry and Jack Perkins, the last episode in Mark Howard's podcast. Thanks for talking to us, Howie. Thanks, Howie. No worries, guys. Have a great show. Lawrence's family has gone away. I made my family disappear. This is Moonman's Home Alone Tales. Postcards, won't you send me? Yeah, I'm watching reruns of postcards uh, <laughs> on DVD on. that I'm on. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Sovereign Hill is the place to be. Um, I look into the fridge and all I see are foods, but I don't know how to make them into ingredients. <laughs> and I'm not hopeless at home, you know, I'm able, but I've just lost all sense of, of being, I, uh, I haven't got any motivation. I wander from room to room. The house is empty. The dog's looking at me as if to say, are they coming back? <laughs> um, and it's just me and him. And well, the the you... house is silent and I love a chat. And what's more, if I'm watching the TV, I love to crack a joke and have an audience there. Uh, I love fun. <laughs> There's nothing. It's completely empty. And I, I, feel like, I feel like a pensioner whose family has gone away. <laughs> And I'm left at home with the dog. I may as well just start eating dog food, you know. I I feel quite hopeless. And I did something yesterday because my wife will, as life partners often do, check in on the hopeless man. So what are you what are you doing? Don't do that. Um, come here. We'll go shopping or we'll go and visit my parents. I'll fill I'll fill your day with activities. <laughs> yeah. Um, hello if you Chris. love fun, you won't be doing either of those things. Hello to Chris and Ian if you're listening. <laughs> I love popping over to Willie to see you both. Let's not, I won't have Seb Casello putting down my visit to my in-laws. But um, I decided to... I'm looking out for you, Ian. I decided to do some whippersnippering. Uh, Dave, the next-door neighbour, he mows the nature strips that uh, abut our houses, and I do the, the edges with the whippersnipper. It's a nice symbiotic relationship. So I got the whippersnipper out on the nature strip and... Uh, you know, primed it and started pulling and it started and then it stopped and then it started again. And so men will immediately, when they hear an engine start and stop, come to see what's happening. So I was surrounded by a few neighbours watching this go on and there was like, oh, I think you flooded it, mate. There's a bit of a smell of petrol. I said, no, it's good. And I kept going and going and going. I've got a sore shoulder this morning. 
I'm unable to move my oh. neck completely. Uh, and what had happened is the fuel line had come away from the carby. And so I was just pulling a machine that was never going <laughs> to start. And I pulled it with gay abandon for much longer than I should have. Because if my wife was home, she would have come out and said, really, do you, maybe we should get that looked at or you've gone too far. I'm sniffing a rat here. Yeah, really? I reckon you're trying to wimp out on the neighbour. You can't be bothered doing your end of the bargain anymore. <laughs> no. So you've sabotaged the fuel line on your whippersnipper to get out of doing some work. That is not true. It, <laughs> it split and I, I couldn't reattach it to, oh, the, you're to the little nipple. He's pulled a few sentences out of popular mechanics to make it sound like he knows how a whippersnipper works. I know exactly how a whippersnipper works. It's a four-stroke, 20 25cc <laughs> Honda Razor, mate. I can adjust my own idle screw. I'm not a hopeless Gen Y like you <laughs> that has never had oil on their hands or changed the tyre. I know how a whippersnipper works. No wonder the dog's looking at you like you killed your wife and child if you're wandering around the house with a whippersnipper in your hand. Smelling of fuel. <laughs> so you've finished them and incinerated them. <laughs> When are we going to get some sort of public transport option out to the airport, Moomin? That isn't Skybus. Apparently Skybus said by 2020 they will be taking 17 million people a year out to the airport. <laughs> it's just expanding exponentially. No, they actually carry 3 million people a year. Really? Out to the airport. <laughs> I think that was the fact that I saw on, on the news last night. Skybus, yeah, and... Everybody else needs to see the expression on Lawrence's face. It's just, I've actually surprised myself that I know an economic indicator of the Skybus business case. Yeah, everything's on the road if you want to get to the airport. That's the bottom line. Unless, of course, you want to fly in, but... (laughs) (laughs) You've already done that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got really excited opening up the paper yesterday to hear that the monorail was back on the cards. Mm, I know. You texted me. You said there was just single monorail. And with Steve Brax in charge of this latest pitch, I thought, right, this is going to happen because Braxy's mates with the state government. And what they're talking about is essentially just sticking a monorail line right above the Tuller Freeway yep. that would get you out there in about 16 minutes 16. for $25. And then thinking about extending that from the city or branching off there at uh, Royal Parade and taking you out to shopping town. This is the bit of the plan I really like. Down the so Eastern Freeway. They say, yeah, after they do the airport monorail, down the middle of that that traffic bit in the middle of the eastern, they're gonna they want to do a monorail out to Doncaster Shopping Town, and uh, they they talk about hard rail, as in two tracks mm. on the ground, as opposed to monorail. Monorail is a third of the third of the cost. They've already got somebody who's willing to tip in ten million dollars, which sounds like for a, 1%. a feasibility study. Yeah, all oh, right, that's just for the feasibility study. Who doesn't love a feasibility I've study? Got, we've got environmental to get impact. Yep, all that Some, sort of thing. What about There'll be some croaking tree frog that uh, can't die out there somewhere. I'm sounding a little bit old now, aren't I? <laughs> well, this has been talked about for so long. Although I do like the idea of the monorail to Shopo. I mean, doesn't that just conjure up images of you know the uh, the uh, opportunity seekers on the old steam trains heading mm. into the American West? Go east, young man, on a monorail to a place of opportunity. Absolutely, pull into Shopping Town and uh, get across to the Tramways Hotel. Um, the great thing about a monorail is for a lot of us who were into sci-fi and cartoons as children, it represents the future. Yeah. So however you visualise the cities of the future, people living in glass pods, you know, suspended above the ground, there's monorails going <laughs> into them. And that's what we see as the future. I think we should have a monorail. Yeah. 
Uh, we should extend it to the airport. Then we just like make it into make Melbourne like a theme park. Have it go through Parliament House, <laughs> through the have, National Gallery, Victoria Fountain. We could have the city loop de loop. Mm, absolutely on the monorails, right over the top of the art centre. That's fantastic. Through around the spire, it could connect under with Princess Bridge, uh, the um, the scenic railway at Luna Park. <laughs> Don't mind that. Oh, well, unfortunately, the state government said yesterday it wasn't a priority. But for better or for worse, our uh, chatting about the monorail, you need to play this. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. Monorail. What's it called? Monorail. Once again. Monorail. And that has made it all worth it. About a month to go now until the vote for the next U.S. president. And later today around midday, there'll be the debate. It's Trump versus Clinton. Trump uh, busily trying to hose down the revelations at the weekend of a recording that was made while he shot a segment for an entertainment program back in 2005. And that recording caught him uh, talking about women in what has been described as a pretty offensive way of speaking. Mm. Here's the comment. I moved on her, actually. You know, she was down in Palm Beach. I moved on her, and I failed. I'll admit it. Whoa. I did try and... She was married. <laughs> huge She's your girl's hottie in the purple. Whoa. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. Whoa. Yes, the Donald has scored. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my man. I've got to use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful... I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the p- <laughs> You can do anything. You can do anything. Okay, let's uh, contextualise what was happening on that bus. A bunch of tools were driving one another on with greater and greater claims of how to uh, seduce women and conquests they may not or may not have may or may not have had. Uh, Donald Trump one ups them all by saying you can grab women on the genitals. That's the way you get them. And uh, essentially, in isolation, everyone has come out and gone. Well, that is not what we want as the president of the United States, and that's absolutely correct. You want someone that is. Uh, First of all, mindful enough not to be even talking like that, uh, but not revealing their true colours. And I think what's happened is it's convinced us all of what we suspect about Donald Trump, and that is he's just a Yahoo. He's like a used car salesman. He's uh, just front and vulgarity. Um, but there's not many men who, in the company of other men, driven on with that kind of bravado and male bullcrap, haven't said things that are as outlandish or, you know, sexist or misogynist um, because that's what men do when they're alone. And that doesn't justify it. It's just like contextualise it because it's like, yeah, I've done that and I've done this and you're kind of one-upping one another. There's a, there's a degree of game playing about it. When it's listened to like that and put against the context of he could be president, yep, it should be taken in that context. We don't want that guy being president. But I think that there's a hysteria around this and a feeding frenzy that is all too common when these sort of things happen now. Trump himself has recognised that there is a need to apologise for this sort of thing when you're running for president. Here's his apology. I've never said I'm a perfect person nor pretended to be someone that I'm not. I've said and done things I regret. And the words released today on this more than a decade old video are one of them. Anyone who knows me knows these words don't reflect who I am. I said it, I was wrong, and I apologize. 
Where this becomes really interesting, Moon Man, is with the debate today, it's the mm. second debate between Hillary and Donald Trump, this is going to completely suck the oxygen out of any message that Donald's trying to get out there. Well, I don't think that there's much middle ground for him. So he's going to go in like a bull in a china shop, like a wounded bear, and take swipes left, right and centre and go out in a blaze of glory because he's headed out the back door straight away. Or he's going to be so cowed, which uh, is probably not something that we associate with Donald Trump, that he'll be thinking, what's the point of me saying anything? I'm just going to be associated with these comments from 2005 that I made in camera to a very excited Billy Bush. <laughs> that was like, oh, the Donald. Yeah, the Donald. Whoa. I was like, say something else that's vulgar and hideous, man. You've got a mate uh, who's a showbiz reporter. We've all got you? a mate. Who's like, your mate, the showbiz reporter? Um the he hangs yeah, out with yeah. the with uh, the prime minister from time to time. Bobby Shriekman. Bobby Shriekman. Oh, Bobby Shriekman. What would Bobby make of this situation? Well, Bobby would be repulsed because mm. Bobby loves the frippery, uh, the gaiety, and the fun of it all. Mm. And so he would have been probably there that day when Donald turned up to do a, a cameo on Days of Our Lives. Mm. Uh, he loves the starlets. He doesn't love vulgarity, Bobby. Mm. Um, you know, he's all about. Finery and good times. So yeah, he'd be he'd be appalled. You mentioned raging bulls in China shops. The raging bull himself, Robert De Niro, uh, was involved in a campaign to inspire people to vote. And in that, he made some pretty frank comments about what he thinks of Donald Trump. I mean, he's so blatantly stupid. He's a punk. He's a dog. He's a pig, he's a con, a bullshit artist, a mutt who doesn't know what he's talking about, doesn't do his homework, doesn't care, thinks he's gaming society, doesn't pay his taxes. He's an idiot, Colin Powell said it best. He's a national disaster. He's an embarrassment to this country. It makes me so angry that this country has gotten to this point, that this fool, this bozo, has wound up where he has. He talks how he wants to punch people in the face. Well... I'd like to punch him in the face. Oh, he's a mutt. He's a mutt. He's gaming society. But you could inc- insert the name of any politician you don't like there. Who's he talking about, you know? And isn't it Robert De Niro saying there he doesn't like Donald Trump because he talks in a manner that De Niro just talked about then? Yeah, that's... And De Niro is almost in character then, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a bit of that. He's, You're talking to he's me. He's a dog. He's a mutt. Ooh, I'd like to... <laughs> We are very pleased to have on the line the Prime Minister of this country. Plenty to talk to him about. Good morning, Malcolm Turnbull. Good morning to you, Sebastian, and hello to you too, Lawrence, or the Moon Man. And uh, to you, Hype, it's good to hear that they've got the uh, work experience chaps in filling in for Ed Mickendar on the M. That's it. it. No, I'm glad that you're a fan of the network now. Um, Mr mm. Turnbull, this is an important issue and it concerns the Budgie Nine who have you know, perhaps uh, tested Australia's relationship with Malaysia over the, few, over the last few days and one of your government staffers was involved. I speak of Jack Walker who was on Christopher Pine's staff until he resigned. Well, Christopher Pine's very upset that he's had to let Jack go. Of course, that he had implemented a punishment routine for Jack uh, on his return to Australia. He's going to get him to do all the photocopying in his undies uh, for the whole week that he was back. So he'll, uh, he's bitten the bullet, as it were. And, of course, those guys can consider themselves lucky, as I said to Ed Mick and Das last week. Uh, you know, Muslim nations that use the, uh, the crescent moon that is on top of the, the minaret on a mosque on their flag, they don't like uh, yobbos rubbing their knob on it. And... Uh, 
as opposed to, you know, us in Australia, we call it Australia Day, don't we? <laughs> we do, we put we the do. flag down our undies or whatever. I heard that uh, there was a cabinet meeting on this morning. You, mm. you don't happen to be within arm's reach of Christopher Pine, do you, Prime Minister? Well, Christopher Pine's right here. I can just pass him on if you like. That'd be great. Hello, it's Christopher Pine. Mm, I'm a fixer. And I heard you talk about the monorail. Oh, I love a monorail. Oh, just straight out to the airport, 16 minutes straight down the tunnel. I'd love to. I'm very upset about Jack too. I'm very naughty boy. You... I'm going to smack him hard when I see him. Wrap <laughs> his knuckles, I will. <laughs> what did you say? Thank you, Christopher. Good yeah, on you. Uh, yeah, Christopher's got a big... He's going away to work on the submarines. What a great thing that is. 12 submarines for $50 billion. Who are we creeping up on, Sebastian? Well, Kevin the Rudd... People from Tuvalu, <laughs> the right. Fijians. <laughs> Kevin Rudd, you stopped his chance at becoming UN Secretary General, but then we now read that behind your back, he started reaching mm. out to other countries to try and see if they'd nominate him. Well, it turns out Botswana was prepared to nominate Kevin Rudd behind Please the back. I won't hear more any more talk of Botswana and Kevin <laughs> Rudd. Okay, Kevin is a, a loose cannon. Uh, he's a wrecker, and uh, I, I'll have no truck with him whatsoever. As far as Botswana is concerned, we will be enforcing <laughs> sanctions on Botswana uh, if I hear any more talk about. I don't even know what's the relationship between Kevin Rudd and Botswana, Sam. It's a very... I mean, what did Kevin do for the Botswanese? <laughs> It's a very, very good question, and I'm not sure what sort of sanctions we can put on Botswana. Are there many uh, imports either. coming to Australia from Botswana? I'm making ambit threats. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they do in Botswana. Nobody really does. Uh, Christopher, if, Brian, and there, if there's anyone listening from Botswana, give us a call, one triple three five three. Tell us what Botswana's biggest export is. I didn't know you knew the talkback line here at Triple M. Prime Minister. I listen to Triple M all the time. <laughs> And uh, I'm a bit disappointed that we haven't met. We've yeah. got to remedy that as soon as possible. No, no, I know we haven't met Prime Minister, but uh, mm. yeah, that's something we can fix. Hey, just quickly, Christopher Pine mentioned it. What do you think of the idea of a monorail from the city to Melbourne Airport? Well, I think it's tremendous. I'm often seen on public transport, sometimes with Christopher. I like to catch a train, so I can say, I caught a train. <laughs> and uh, I think that the monorail represents uh, innovation, it's an exciting time to be alive and an exciting time to get on a monorail. Mm. And uh, who doesn't want to dodge around the traffic too? I mean, uh, you know, I get chauffeur-driven everywhere, but it's not enjoyable when it's choked down the M1 or down the Tuller, uh, as you people like to call it. Uh, so I say monorail away. And, they, of course, the Andrews communist regime in Victoria <laughs> will do anything to stand in the way of progress, so they'll probably say no. Prime Minister, it is always a pleasure to have your company. Before I go, yes. I'd just like to say on the Donald Trump issue, Seb. Yes. That language that he used was offensive to women and to men. I don't think that it's it's necessarily, yes. necessarily gender specific, no. the offence that he caused. That kind of language should only use between, be used be, between a man and a woman where there's an agreement in the boudoir. It's boudoir language. Like, you know, uh, Cleveland steamer or rusty trombone right, or something Minister, of that nature. Think, um, you, yeah. you just, once you've agreed with your wife, uh, that it's okay to say that. We're still on air, things. Prime Minister, just, just to All remind right, good on you. Yes. Well, I just say it's reprehensible language to use uh, about a woman without, uh, you know, having consent first. Yes. No, well said, Prime Minister. Give our best to yeah. Lawrence Mooney, too. Absolutely good on you, and uh, you're a good constituent and great guys. Bye now. What a big morning. We've covered just about everything. Absolutely. We've covered the trade. We've spoken to the Prime Minister. We learned that Gina Reinhart is set to become Australia's beef queen. Mm. 
She is about to buy the biggest beef ranch or beef farm, mm. or rather, in Australia. And she's going to have $365 million worth of cattle. She's buying and land. a piece of land that is bigger than Tasmania. Yeah. Unbelievable. So that becomes Gina's mainland map of Tasmania. Is that what you... <laughs> Andrew Rule is coming in. Andrew Rule is coming in tomorrow to talk all things crime in this city. Mm. Your wife and beautiful child Maggie are away, so we'll get some more of Lawrence Mooney's Home Alone tales. Yep, uh, another instalment tonight. <laughs> me staring at the TV, the dog <laughs> staring at me, uh, and we'll check in with Laura Turner too for all the wash up from today's presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. <laughs> You're Looking unbelievable. For, you are. You're the worst of possible men <laughs> because you, you consider yourself better than us, but you're worse. <laughs> Across Melbourne, this is Breakfast with Seb Costello and Lawrence Mooney on Triple M. Triple M rocks Melbourne.